0: Pastor Xavier Reese, and how faith and works relate in our relationship with God. Faith without works is dead.
1: Now, mere profession of faith does not mean that I possess saving faith. There are a lot of people I run into that say a lot of things, but I don't see anything. Many will say to me in that day, the Lord says, Lord, Lord, then I will say to them, I never knew you. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God. That's a heavy statement.
0: And nail, ball and bat, lock and key. There are various pairings of objects that make more sense together than separate. But one particular pairing we find in Scripture too often gives rise to a bit of confusion, and that is faith and works. And so today, Pastor Xavier clarifies the simple truths we see taught by both the Apostles James and Paul, offering better understanding of how word and deed become one truth.
1: This morning we want to look at the topic of faith and works as James presents it to us in this section. Some have mistaken the teachings of James as opposing or contradicting the teachings of Paul in Romans and Galatians. They have interpreted to be that Paul is teaching faith apart from works and that James is teaching faith by works. But any careful reader of the epistles of James, Galatians, and Romans will clearly see that Paul is talking from a different perspective. Paul is saying to those who do not know Christ that in order to be saved, you need nothing but faith in the work of Jesus Christ. James is talking about those who have already come to faith by the work of Christ and now they are responsible to yield to the work that God desires to do in their lives. They are not opposed to each other. They do not contradict each other but they complement one another. Martin Luther was such a man who thought that the epistle of James was really opposing Paul. And he called it the epistle of straw, nothing good doctrine-wise, but he was wrong. Now, I can understand why uh, Martin Luther would come to that conclusion, because he was breaking out of the Catholic Church, and he was dead tired of the dead orthodoxy and ritual of works. Some of you have been to other countries, Latin America, South America, Mexico, then you have confronted Catholicism in the max. You don't see it in the United States where people are put under heavy burdens of works to afflict their bodies, to sacrifice, to do all kinds of things to merit salvation, to pay for those who have died so they get out of so-called purgatory. And Martin Luther would have nothing to do with works And so I can understand him, though he's wrong. But there is no excuse for any person to think that Paul and James are in opposition. Not if you're a careful student of the Word of God. The text divides itself into three natural sections. In verses 14 through 17, you have faith without works. In verses 18 through 20, you have faith separate from works. And in verse 21 to 26, you have faith and works. These are the arguments that James presents to clarify any misunderstanding about faith and works. Let's take each section at a time, and we'll come to a conclusive decision by the Spirit of God. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And so in this opening section, James deals with faith without Works. Notice the opening argument is this. If someone says he has faith but does not have works, verse 14. It isn't something that James is teaching, it is something that somebody is saying. Something that somebody is saying that doesn't line up with Scripture. And so he's correcting a wrong statement. Literally in the Greek, the 10 says, It keeps on saying and keeps on not having. This is a person that continually says, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but for the life of you, you look, you look, and there's no evidence anywhere around. It's mere profession. It's lip service. There's nothing that can really verify what he or she is saying. What profit or advantage is there in such a statement? James says. Now the statement, as I said, is mere profession without evidence of possession of genuine saving faith. It is a faith, but it's not the biblical faith. How often you and I have run into people, we talk to them all the time, say, Well, I have faith, I believe. But what is it you believe in? God hasn't just called us to say, well, I believe, I have faith. Faith has an object. What is the object of your faith? But secondly, the question, can faith save him, gives emphasis to the kind of faith in verse 14 that doesn't have works not being Genuine faith. It's, can this kind of faith save a man? Now, is he talking about being saved? No. He addresses them, brethren, they're already saved. He is saying, if this kind of faith that only professes, can it save a man? Is he truly saved? Before he gives us the answer... He wants the readers to come to the conclusion all on their own by the obvious reasoning through Scripture. And so the illustration in verse 15 and 16, a brother or sister is naked, they're destitute of daily food. And one of you say to them, depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you don't give them the things that are needed for the body. We can all identify with that. First, the need is of the most basic things of life clothes and food they're not asking for luxury they're not asking for something that is out of the norm they're asking for something that is basic and necessary for life the reference to naked does not mean that the individual has no clothes but it means that they are ill clothes their clothes are tattered torn smelly dirty They're destitute. Secondly, the response is mere lip service. As a professor of faith, and I'm not talking about a professor in the university, mere lip service. We've all run into it. Depart in peace. Be warmed and filled, but you don't give to them the things that are needed for the body. You see, anything that is mere professing without any action is no good at all. It's really made void by the emptiness of any evidence. Thirdly, the question. And it's for the second time. He said, "What does it profit? What does it advantage? Advantage, who? First, regarding your profession of faith. If you really don't meet that need, then what does it do to your profession of faith? It validates that it's empty. It's a mere profession, not a possession of saving faith. Secondly, regarding the need to the person, it profits them nothing. They are in the same position after they have left you. The conclusion is inescapable in verse 17 thus also faith by itself if it does not have works it's dead faith that is professed alone is useless that's the word for dead useless secondly faith that is void of works is useless so whether you're just professing or you don't have those works it's useless it doesn't make any difference One day a man was wheeling a wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. Crowds cheering him on. Oh, yeah. He got to the other side and he looked down and he said to this young man, do you believe I can do that all over again? The guy says, yeah. He says, get in the wheelbarrow. (laughs) The man declined. He was a professor, not a possessor. There's a big difference between saying and doing. A great difference. Faith without works is dead. Now, mere profession of faith does not mean that I possess saving faith. There are a lot of people I run into that say a lot of things, but I don't see anything. And so to me, that's evidence that perhaps they're not even born again. Now, isn't it tragic that you can be coming to church every Sunday, the Bible studies, everything else, and yet you're not born again? You're merely professing? That's a danger. Many will say to me in that day, the Lord says, Lord, Lord. Then I will say to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God. That's a heavy statement. He said, Lord, we cast out demons. We did this, we did that. He says, I never knew you. Remember the kingdom parables, the shaft or the tear and the weeds? He said, who did this? A woman, the enemy. Well, should we pluck them out? No, let them grow together. At the end of the harvest, the angels will reap and they will separate the tares and the wheat. They grab the tares, bundle them, throw them in the fire, they grab the wheat and usher them into my Father's kingdom. Heavy. I wonder how many people are not born again in here this morning. And yet you come to church. You go to studies. Faith that is void of works towards those in need is useless. It profits neither the one who professes nor the one who who is requesting. As a matter of fact, it's one big lie. Turn over a couple of books to First John chapter three. The brother John is real good about this. It's one of the um, one of the tests of, of whether you're really born again. There's a doctrinal test, there's a social test that he gives through First John. And there's a moral test. And here in chapter three of First John. Verse 17 and 18 says, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shut up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Mark that well. When word and deed become one, that becomes truth. When word is separated from deed, it's a lie. Now, We equally have to be aware that there is a lot of people who try to fleece believers, so use wisdom. Lord says that I'm to meet the needs as He brings them to me and as I see Him, and He prompts my heart. Not to meet people's wants. That's what I keep telling my children when they want something. There's a big difference. Now what are some of the things you and I profess to believe in and have faith in, and yet works have not followed in. Are you involved in serving? If not, then you're a professor. Are you consistent in attending studies? If not, then you're merely professing. Are you supporting the work financially? If not, then you're a mere professor. Do you read the Bible daily? Do you meditate upon the Word day and night? No one's an exception. There's only saints and ain'ts. Do you pray? Diligent? Do you strive against sin? Or do you abuse Grace? John Calvin said, Knowledge of God can no more connect a man with God than sight of the sun carry him to heaven. It's dangerous to possess knowledge and knowledge alone. That does not do anything to me. Then he goes on to talk about faith separate from works. Verses 18 through 20. But some will say... You have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons or devils believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? The objecting argument opens up. Hear it. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. They have just listened to the argument James has presented, the opening argument. And someone listening says, yeah, but listen, God has given me faith and he's giving you works. (laughs) Man is clever, isn't he? The statement implies that some possess faith while others possess works at the direct hand of God as if they are differing gifts. Not so. Never will you find that in Scripture. You do find that there is the gift of faith. But in the context that James is speaking about, he says you cannot separate faith and works they go hand in hand you cannot try to spiritualize it or to use 1st Corinthians 12 Romans 12 or Ephesians 4 out of its context to slide out of responsibility you can't secondly the statement implies that faith can exist without works and works apart from faith both are non biblical Faith cannot exist without works. And works cannot take place apart from faith. And so what he's contrasting here is the two faiths. Faith of one who professes and faith that saves the one possesses. There's the contrast. Now the rebuttal to the argument is shown to us In the very same verse, 18. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Now, there's no punctuation in in the manuscripts, and so some people get confused here. But in verse 18, it's better to take it, but someone will say, a person who's just heard James, and they say, you have faith, I have works. And then James responds and says, Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And so there's two people speaking there. Now the statement implies that faith without works is evidence of faith that doesn't save. Any mere profession without works or to try to separate from works is mere profession. It doesn't save. It just doesn't save. But secondly, the statement implies that faith that has worked is faith that has, past tense, saved. Now, the illustration once again makes this perfectly clear in verse 19 as in the opening argument. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. And notice there's a dash there. We don't know how long a time there is a pause. He's implying some interesting things here. First, he says your belief in one God is commendable. To every Jew, the Shema of Israel, Deuteronomy 6.4, the Lord our God is one. They all profess that. Common ground. You could not deviate. He says, you believe in one God, that's great. Secondly, demons believe in one God also, but at least they tremble. Shudder. Literally, their hair stands on end. I wonder how they felt when they read this passage. You see, every time Jesus walked the earth and he came across a demon-possessed person, they said, Jesus, Son of God, what are you doing here? Our time has not yet come. Are you here to torment us? Remember the demoniac at Gadara? He says, don't send us to the pit, but send us to those swine. Demons tremble. Do you tremble? The proverb says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. The basic foundation and the first step is the fear of the Lord. I am amazed how some profess and they don't even shudder. Demons always confess Jesus. They believe in one God. They know there's one God. But their belief doesn't change them. It doesn't do anything to them. The conclusion is once again inescapable in verse 20. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? First faith separate from works is embraced by an empty-headed man. That's the word fool. Only a person with an empty head could ever embrace a belief that declares that you have faith apart from works. Remember, we're talking to people who are born again already. Let's not get into the argument of those who are seeking salvation. He's talking to believers. Secondly, faith that is void of works is useless dead how many of you would believe a person who told you that they were going to give you an apple tree and you take that tree home and it's been 10 years and it's never given apples how many of you still believe it's an apple tree the evidence that it's an apple tree is that it gives apples the evidence that you have the measles is that you give them to somebody Faith separated from works would be like saying that you can have a lock without a key. That you can have a body without blood. That you can have words without letters. It's impossible. You'd have a better chance at any one of those than faith separate from works.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese is working through a study of the Epistle of James, chapter 2, and explaining how faith and works interrelate in our relationship with Jesus. And there's more to come next time. But if you've missed any part of today's message, you can hear it again anytime online. Just look for today's date when you click on the radio listings link when you log on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. Or, if you prefer, you can always pick up your own personal copy on CD for just $4. And the title you want to ask for is simply, What About Faith and Works? And this might be a helpful study to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is, What About Faith and Works? Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, California. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese.